My sisters and I are fourth generation running this business. And my son and my niece and nephew and more of us are fifth generation. So we started as furriers and then we became ready to wear. And my, when my parents ran the business, it was mostly dressy dresses and then some suiting. And it was basically ready to wear. And then we started to bring in jewelry much, much later and shoes. So it's really been a very creative process how we grew the jewelry business. And it's truly a labor of love. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to Collector's Gene Radio. This is all about diving into the nuances of collecting and ultimately finding out whether or not our guests have what we like to call the collector's gene. If you have the time, please subscribe and leave a review. It truly helps. Thanks a bunch for listening, and please enjoy today's guest on Collector's Gene Radio. Today's guest is Lori Herschleifer, and if the name sounds familiar, that's because her and her family run Herschleifers, which has been in business for over 100 years. Herschleifers has been described as the last great department store, and that's because it is. There's something different about Herschleifers when you walk through the front doors, and maybe it's the Kith Treats Outpost or the fact that they have the only non-Chanel-owned boutique in the U.S., or maybe it's the vintage watch drops mixed with their new sporty and rich partnership coupled with the Young's Farm Cafe. Whatever it is, the fourth-generation team has it figured out. And as for Lori, well, being that she heads up the buying and merchandising team, you can just imagine that her taste is pretty impeccable. From handbags and shoes to jewelry and watches and even a Chrome Hearts ephemera collection, She's a maximalist at heart and does it with the utmost class and elegance. But like all of us, she's constantly on the hunt, and I always look forward to seeing what sneaks its way into her collection. So without further ado, this is Lori Herschleifer for Collector's Gene Radio. Lori, we finally made it after bugging the crap out of you to come on the show. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm excited to welcome you to Collector's Gene Radio. Well, thank you for having me. My pleasure. So... First off, you're known for your incredible and effortless uh, maximalism when it comes to your jewelry and watches and bag stack and the bags inside the bags. And uh, I would love if you could tell me uh, what jewelry and, and watch you have on today and what bag made it into the office with you. Well, today I have on a um, John Mayer Daytona, Green Face Daytona. Amazing. And I'm always wearing either some horse and boots, chrome hearts, uniform object. I'm actually usually wearing almost all of our vendors I try to wear because I love them all so much individually. So I, I like to support. And, you know, there's a reason we have them in the store is because it's love. That's great. Today, we have, I'm also wearing Shambhala, Dezo, uh, chrome hearts, I said, Pachoravipa. Spinelli. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You're the epitome of what I think everybody should be who has a store like yours. And, you know, it's, it's not very often that people represent the brands that not only they're passionate about, that, but the, the brands that they preach to their customers. Yeah. My sisters and I are fourth generation running this business and my son and my niece and nephew and more of us are fifth generation. So we started as furriers and then we became ready to wear. And my, when my parents ran the business, it was mostly dressy dresses and then some suiting. And it was basically ready to wear. 
And then we started to bring in jewelry much, much later and shoes. So it's really been a very creative process how we grew the jewelry business. And it's truly a labor of love. So we started really small with just Lori Rodkin. And now we have probably 15 vendors, maybe. Wow. And if I'm not mistaken, Hirschleifers has been around for well over 100 years. Yes, since 1910. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And is the plan to always keep it in the family if you can? If we can. That's the plan. Yes. <laughs> Easier said than done, I'm sure. But It is. <laughs> and your job specifically is in creative and buying or purchasing, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And merchandising. But we all do everything. You know, it is a real family business. So we do everything. There's nothing that I wouldn't I would expect my people to do that I wouldn't do myself. So Hirschleifers has been described as the last great department store. And I've been in your store many times. My family lives down the street, so I can attest to that. And I mean, you have everything from Chanel to St. Laurent to Remova to Kith Treats and of course, jewelry and watches. But can you share what you and the family are doing to keep the business alive? Well, my husband, who's also in the business and has been for years, is really the most creative one. And he comes up with these ideas constantly about how we're going to change this and do this and build this room. And we just last on Black Friday opened. We had Young's Farm, which I know you know because you're from <laughs> here. But just, I've tried to keep that place a secret, but it's too hard. <laughs> we just opened at Young's Farm in the front of where the sneaker market was. And it's a real... It looks exactly like Young's Farm, from the wood beams to the chairs and the seat. It's it's really amazing. So we constantly are doing new things and changing things, and that's what keeps people coming. We opened a sporty and rich pop-up, and we have a smoothie bar and refrigerator with her with her waters and her juices. So it's constantly changing that keeps people coming and keeps it interesting for all of us, actually. Are, are certain spaces within the store designated for more pop-up style? They are, but they change all the time. And you also have the only non-Chanel-owned boutique in the U.S. Is that is that right? That is right, yes. How does that work and how did that come about? My parents, they started carrying Chanel probably over 30 years ago, I guess. We've just had a very long trusting relationship with Chanel and it just keeps growing. So we're very lucky. And is that something that they just would totally not do today? Meaning Definitely you not. Know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I figured I figured as much. I mean it it's amazing that, you know, traditions like that can stay alive with certain uh vendors, this one in, in particular. And that they would just never do that today, no matter how good their relationship is with somebody. Yeah, well, it's, it's, you know, it's changed dramatically with vendors and retail and everything. But everything comes full circle. So we'll see where it goes from there. For sure. As I mentioned earlier, uh, you're, you're a maximalist at heart. You always have the jewelry stacked up, a great watch on, fantastic bag with bags inside of them, and always a thoughtful outfit from head to toe. So ha- have you always been a maximalist and, and used your collections that way and collected in that way? Um, I don't think so when I was younger. I think it's it's something that's happened since um, probably around, I don't know, maybe mid-40s. I just love things. I love products. I love beautiful <laughs> things. Sure. And they make, you, they make you feel good. You know, they make you happy. And 
Retail therapy. Retail therapy. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's no secret that that you obviously love all that stuff and especially watches. Um, you know, you did a a great article on Dime Piece um, that that kind of blew up on the internet. And I, I'm curious to know because you you just did a vintage watch drop. Is that the first of its kind? Do you do those often? How are you sourcing them? That is also my husband, so I can't take credit for any of that. Um, he sources them, and it was his idea sort of to bring them into the store, but it's really become quite the thing. So we are actually selling those. That's great. Yeah. So the, the whole family's in on on the watch game. Yes, the whole family. My son especially, yes. And I know Rolex and Patek Philippe are two of the brands that are near and dear to your heart when it comes to watches. And what is it about those two brands that excite you the most? I guess it's their history. Although I love Cartier. I mean, I like them all, but I love the history. Rolex is also, they're the most comfortable and they're just a perfect, they're perfect. <laughs> yeah. I, I think in the Dime Piece article, you said as, you know, you saw the Hodinkee Talking Watches video with John Mayer. And you were lucky enough to go get your hands on those two Daytonas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that not so many of us were able to, to do that. So I'm happy you pulled it off. Thank you. There's a lot out there that I'm still looking at. But, you know, I, I will, we'll wait to the end when you ask those questions. <laughs> okay, deal. <laughs> your, uh, your collecting philosophy is, is quite simple. And I think you've reached what I would call collecting bliss, which is you see something and if you can swing it, you get it. Right. It, there, there's, there's so little, um, in the best way I say this, there's so little thought that has to go into an effort that has to go into making that purchase. Right. You just have an eye for what you like. And if it fits the bill, then you can, you know, make the purchase. Right. Yeah. Kind of right. Yeah. That being said, I would, I would have to assume there's some items that you've bought that are more sentimental than others. There definitely are. Let's start with Chrome Hearts, for example. We've been carrying Chrome Hearts also for probably over 30 years, a long relationship with the Starks and with Lynn who works with them. And they do the best holiday gifting that you can imagine. So I have a large collection of Chrome Hearts special pieces like a fly swatter and a barbecue, whatever that's called, but you put your marshmallows in and, you know, toast marshmallows, a potato peeler that they sent in a burlap sack that had chrome hearts on the outside, a toilet plunger. I mean, there's <laughs> there's incredible things. And I, one of my favorite ones, this wasn't the gift, this I bought myself, was a, is a chrome hearts dinosaur that sits in my closet. I love that. Yeah. What, are, do other brands, I feel, because I feel like that was a kind of a thing of the past, right? The, the gifting and, and the unique gifting from these high-end brands. And I feel like not a lot of brands are doing that now. Are there other brands that do that? Not so much. I mean, Virgil did it and he made it very personal. So it was very, very special. But I think there really are not many other brands that do that. Certainly not the way Chrome Arts does it. Right. Because Hermes back in the day was making those items, but they were more so for sale. It was less of a novel kind of quirky gift. It was more of like Hermes was making, you know, ashtrays and they still do, but, you know, the, uh, the wine coasters and all that sort of stuff. Right. Yeah, super interesting. Mm -hmm. So your collection obviously ranges from Hermes and Chanel bags to jewelry, shoes, watches, you name it. Is there a brand that resonates with you the most? Well, I love everything Carl. 
(laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't? So I would have to say Chanel and his old Minotis that he used to do are some of my favorite things to collect. Yeah. Is there something, because obviously you're not alone when it comes to Chanel, right? I mean, there's a million people out there who love Chanel just as much as you do, some more, some less. But what do you think it is about the brand that that people latch onto so much besides their history, right? Because a lot of the designs are are fairly, can be fairly simple and colorways and, and materials change. But what do you think? I think they're, again, the history and the brand has such, the brand has really grown so dramatically. The width and the breadth of the black brand, it, it appeals to someone very young and appeals to someone old. I think it's, it's that that makes you want to go back to it all the time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. I mean, there's, there's very few brands out there that I would say have the allure and the desire to own from a a consumer standpoint, like Chanel. Right. I mean, you could start with a lipstick and even the way the lipsticks close and the sound that they make, it's very, it's soothing. <laughs> it's kind of soothing, yes. And you know it's a, a beautiful product and it's expensive. You just know it. Yeah, for sure. So what's the battle like for you? Because I, I like to ask this to people who work in the same areas that they collect. What's the battle like for you when you get something in and you have to make the de- the decision to sell it to the customer or keep it in the personal collection? That's a tough one <laughs> to say. <laughs> And my niece, Marcy, and I, we both are collectors, so it, it becomes really challenging. Honestly, I, I like the client to get as much as they can. I, it, I think that's what we're here for. So we usually know ahead of time if it's something that we're going to want, so you just put an extra one in and buy it <laughs> that's for <great>. ourselves. <laughs> Can you imagine if we could do that at, at Rolex and Patek Philippe? Yeah, right? <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, if only. When it comes to your collecting, are you primarily modern, vintage, or do you like a mix? Well, in my cl- my closet, like I love to go to the Paris flea market and get all those old, old like old posters and old signs and yeah, old ashtrays and yeah, ashtrays exactly. But I like new Hermes ashtrays as well, and I have I like the ones from the Ritz Hotel, and I it's kind of a I would say it's a mix. I like new, I like old. Yeah, I, I find that having a mix of both makes you appreciate both a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, cause there's some people that primarily collect vintage and vintage everything. I mean, everything in their home is vintage and they, they have no desire to ever want or appreciate anything modern. And I can understand that in both instances, but I think when you can collect a mix of the things you, you appreciate both ends of the spectrum a little bit more. I think so. Got to see where, we came from to kind of get where we're going, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I like too much. That's the problem. <laughs> well, that that's why you're chatting with me today. <laughs> <laughs> what attracts you first when it comes to all the items you collect? Are you a design-centric person or is it based on a color maybe? It's definitely design. And look, I just gravitate towards something. It's like it drags me in and says, yeah. come and get me. <laughs> I was vintage hunting in Locust Valley a couple months ago. Uh-huh. And there's a great little store there called Finer Things. Oh, really? I have to check it out. 
you'll have to check it out. A small little shop, but she has great vintage stuff. It's not clothing and bags and stuff. It's more home goods. But she had this stirrup cup, which I found out was for when people would go hunting back in the day, wealthy families, they would do a big toast before they would go out on their hunt of, you know, whiskey or cider. And they would come out in these stirrup cups and Gucci made a whole line of them with a horse head on it or a stag or a dog. And she had one in her shop and I was like, I didn't realize it was Gucci. I just fell in love with it because I love equestrian stuff. Uh-huh. And she's like, I was like, the price on this is absurd <laughs> for this silver cup. And she's like, well, look who it's signed by. And it was signed by Gucci. And I was like, okay, I'm in. Sold. Wow. How cool <laughs> so, is that? Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the Chrome Heart stuff that you were saying before, how, you know, just certain brands, at least back in the day would make more of the home, home goods items, right? Yeah. I mean, I know Hermes makes home goods stuff now, but you know, some of that stuff is just unobtainium. Yeah. I saw when I was at the new Hermes shop with my husband, I was looking around at the home stuff and there was a garbage pail and I needed a new garbage pail for my closet. It was like, <laughs> wow, this is incredible. It was like $12,000. I'm like, I don't think so, but it was incredible. Yeah. I love that. I love that stuff. And then, you know, their, their furniture too is amazing, but I mean, the prices are just, it, it just doesn't make sense to me too much, but I appreciate it. <laughs> Yeah. Do you ride? I don't. Um, I I would love to have learned. I mean, obviously it's never too late and there's plenty of horses out here in Arizona. We have a, amazing horse properties out here. Um, and so I've, I've only been on a, on a horse, believe it or not, like once or twice in my life, but yeah. uh, I just love all the equestrian stuff. Obviously Ralph is a big part of that. And every time I come back to New York, I'm just reminded of how classy and elegant the equestrian life style really is because everywhere, you know, near your store and where my family lives, there's all these farms and horse properties and oh, it's just it's so beautiful. Yeah, it truly is. It's special for sure. So you obviously have some very loyal clients and I'm sure you're, you're obviously constantly gaining new clients, but what are your thoughts on the idea that customers that you're merchandising for are really collecting the items that you put in the store? Well, I guess I, I mean, it's pretty cool. Um, we have a few that are, that we've had for many, many years, actually a, a bunch that love where we were and the transformation. Like when you talk about vintage and, and new, they like, they like that we're changing and they like what's, what's happened to the store and how the merchandise has changed from where we were to where we are now. So it's nice to see. It's very important. It's not easy to have customers kind of grow with you as your business evolves too. I mean, I feel like that's, you know, what hurts a lot of businesses, but some, you know, for some reason you guys have been able to garner those relationships with people and get them to kind of see the importance of the transformation. Yeah, I think that the trick is to continue to change and make the, make it interesting because if you stay the same, then they're not going to come back. I mean, you they have to you have to always give people a reason to come in. Because you are a collector, I know you can appreciate all the items at your store, whether it's something you would add to your collection or not. But is it hard to sometimes turn off the collecting hat and put your attention towards merchandising the store and think about what your customers may want to buy and potentially collect versus what you would collect? No, it's it's not hard. You know, as a buyer, you have to kind of take your taste out of it and think about who you're selling to or who you want to be selling to. So 
it's constant that we're sitting down and reviewing vendors, sell-throughs, and, you know, all of that fun stuff, and looking at new and saying, this fits in our, this fits in where we're going, and this no longer fits where we're, where we're going. Sure, and transition things in and out. Yes, which is sometimes difficult, but <laughs> it sure. has to be done. It can't all be easy, right? No, exactly. <laughs> it's not all fun. No, no, but it's exciting. It is. Lori, with all the success you and your family have had, what are the next plans for the future generations and maybe some future uh, incoming shops within the store you could kind of give us a little sneak peek of? Well, as I said, we just opened, you know, the Sporty and Rich and Young's. And at the moment, that's it since it just happened. And that's all we got at the moment. I have nothing new happening quite yet since we're just catching our breath from what we just did. Can we expect more vintage watch drops? Oh, yeah. Okay. We're excited for that. For sure. (laughs) Love it. Lori, let's wrap it up here with the collector's gene rundown. Uh, As you know, you can answer these questions based on any of the items that you collect, whether it's jewelry or shoes or chrome hearts, you know, ephemera, and you can uh, answer them as you please. Okay. All right. What's the one that got away? The Carl Lagerfeld Fairbrick. I had seen it many, many years ago and the price wasn't crazy. I fell in love and then it wasn't available and now it's out of my price point. But I love them. Well, everything comes back around, right? <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> How about the on-deck circle? So uh, something you're hunting after maybe. I'm always looking for a Cartier cigar band. Oh, very cool. Yeah, the, a red one. My mom's friend had one. I always, always enamored with it. So I would love to be able to find one. Do you prefer Cartier watches or Cartier jewelry? Mm, I would have to say jewelry, I think. But I love them all. And when it comes to Cartier watches, do you like the vintage stuff more or the new stuff? The vintage, for sure. Yeah. Too much charm. Uh huh. <laughs> all right. The unobtainable. So this is one that's maybe too expensive in a museum or a private collection. It's just complete unobtainium. Well, back to Cartier, I've always a crash. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. And it's it's sad because just a few years ago they were very obtainable. <laughs> yeah, let's as you said, maybe what comes around again, maybe. Well, maybe uh maybe a special order you could do yeah. with them. <laughs> right. They still do it. So I know. Do they really? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Plenty of people do special order crashes. So they are very obtainable with the right relationship which I think if anyone can make that, it's you. (laughs) (laughs) Just walk next door to uh, London Jewelers and schmooze a little bit. Schmooze, exactly. The page one rewrite. So if you could collect anything besides all the things you collect, money, no object, what would it be? Well, my favorite thing in the world is animals. So it would be dogs, but I'm not sure if that fits the bill in this conversation. It sure does. I've had... (laughs) All sorts of answers. So we, we, we accept anything. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a passionate animal lover. And um, yeah, dogs. Deal. The hunt or the ownership? Which one do you enjoy more? The ownership. And most importantly, do you feel that you were born with the collector's gene? Yes. No question. <laughs> I think uh, I could answer that one for you, but I'm happy to hear <laughs> I'm happy to hear it from you. <laughs> Lori, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. 
We really appreciate it. And again, sorry for bugging you so much, but I had to get you on. And I'm glad you did. Can't wait to uh, enjoy a little coffee and something sweet from from your new Young's Farm pop-up. Yeah, come visit. (laughs) I sure will. Take care. Bye. All right, that does it for this episode. Thank you all for listening to Collector's Gene Radio.